Hello, it's 20th of July 2019 and this is episode 110 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. And how has your week in Star Wars been, Rachel? Been pretty good. Um... <laughs> Like, the main thing has obviously been what dropped very, very recently, which is to say the publishing news. Mm -hmm. So I won't say too much about that because we're going to be going into more depth about that shortly. But yeah, that's very exciting. And besides that, my week has mostly been spent being fascinated by the Cats trailer. Oh, God. (laughs) Are we going to talk about Cats? (laughs) I, I don't think we should go down that rabbit hole, but I will admit to watching lots of YouTube videos in the musical recently, so it really has infected my brain. It's pretty bad. I've only been able to watch that trailer once. I can't do it again. <laughs> it's so special. Yeah. It was a very precious moment to share it with my colleagues at work. I was like, you need to see this. And yeah, it's a good talking point. The question is... On uh, release night, are we going to see The Rise of Skywalker or Cats? Because they come out the same day. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Big question. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I know where we're going to be. At least there's something for the boycott Disney crowd now. Oh my god, can you imagine like all those alt-right channels like spamming their accounts with like videos in support of cats? <laughs> that would be the best thing ever. <laughs> it's like join the revolution against Disney. Go and watch cats. <laughs> I'm not sure what would be worse for them. I kind of feel like watching cats would be worse, but I think so, but I don't know. It'll probably be a hit. So. Yeah, it probably will to be fair. And yeah, if they can make money from doing that, be my guest. I have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and um, we, we are yeah. not anti-musical. We're just anti the uncanny valley of the special effects. I would have... I, I really thought, as I started to watch the trailer, I thought that they were going to be in costume and makeup, you know, like the Broadway show. Yeah. But it's just too much. They're actually making people look like cats, and it's it's, it's too much for me. Yeah, it definitely crosses the line. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> too much um but yeah how has your week in star wars been kirsty um very exciting because we have the news that we're gonna have fresh kylo ren content (laughs) yay yeah Uh, obviously we're gonna talk about it in more depth in a minute kind of coming around out around the same time as the movie so it's not like there's gonna be something to tide us over although there'll be lots of other things um but yeah i'm just excited about the prospect of more of the backstory there between him and the knights of ren yeah no, so that'll be really exciting to get to. Okay, cool. So with that said, let's move on to the news. Um, and yeah, so all of this news basically is from San Diego Comic Con. And from the outset, we would like to thank Slimo, of course, and Jonah Marie Macias for doing such a fantastic job of covering this event. Because, yeah, it was almost like we were there. And <laughs> it's incredibly helpful because... They've both been very diligent and great at sharing all the relevant, interesting information. So thank you, guys. Yeah, I loved the um, the coverage of the, the new Lucas Museum, that presentation. Yeah, it's definitely given me an incentive to visit. Like, is it going to be in San Diego? I think it's in LA, isn't it? Oh, in LA. Okay, wow. There was some kind of controversy around it. For a while, they were going to have it in Chicago, and then they changed their mind, and... 
Then people wanted it in Northern California because that's kind of where Lucasfilm is based, obviously. But yeah, I think it's ended up being in LA. Okay, cool. Well, then it's an incentive to visit LA eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, so that all looks awesome. But yeah, the main things that we're going to talk about are focused mostly around the Rise of Skywalker content, shock. Um, Yep, and the first thing that we want to cover is that we have some further information on the allegiance of the Sith Troopers. Um, So, yes, let's see. Um, First of all, would you like to read out this description from the official Star Wars website, Kirsty? A new level of First Order soldier coming in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Its crimson armour blends elements of troopers from the saga's past, while incorporating aggressive new details. In the materials, the colour, the lines, there was something about the aesthetic of it that just felt absolutely right, said J.J. Abrams. I cannot wait for people to see the work that everyone's done. Yep. So that's a nice safe quote. <laughs> um, and then perhaps more interestingly, although we need to add some asterisks after this, um, there was a little sign that was posted alongside the costume for the Sith Trooper at the start of the convention that was then swiftly removed, um, obviously raising everyone's curiosity. Um, we only have that sign in a very low res, blurry version. Um, but someone did attempt to decipher it with a transcript. Um, but you said that there's reasons to approach us with caution, right, Kirsty? Yeah, I believe it was Charlie Ashby at a P- Imperial Senate podcast who was doing his kind of best guess. But he's not at Comic-Con. So he's just basing it on this blurry image. And so far, right. I haven't seen anyone else who was at the con provide a transcript. So... I'd like to think that what Charlie's got here is accurate, but we just don't know. So <laughs> had to have some some disclaimers there. Yeah, no, which is useful. So this perhaps reliable transcript reads as follows. In its ultimate push towards galactic conquest, the First Order readies an army of elite soldiers that draw inspiration and power from a dark and ancient legacy. So yeah, basically the thing that both of these like pieces of information have in common is they seem to confirm an allegiance of the Sith Troopers to the First Order, which is not a massive surprise but is something we weren't taken for granted basically because it wasn't clear from the outset that that was the case so yeah, what do you make of this information, Kirsty? Um, I don't know if it changes my perception based on anything that we were talking about last week in terms of um Palpatine's relationship to the new movie and stuff like that um, mm. because they I mean it directly references the Sith there right um, and as far as we know Kylo Ren is not a Sith so mm-hmm. I, I do still think it ties into those ideas of factionalism and loyalties and stuff yeah no I agree I definitely think it's going to tie into those sorts of ideas and themes um but yeah, the fact that they are aligned to the First Order got me thinking. And I have come up with several different possibilities. And yeah, I'm just going to throw them out there. I don't think any of these are especially unique or original. I'm sure lots of other people have been theorising along similar lines. But yeah, why not go for it? So yeah, the first one I have is... The Knights of Ren return from the Unknown Regions with the Sith Troopers in tow. They assure Kylo that the Sith Troopers will serve him loyally, but not all is as it seems. 
in brackets, order 66 vibes. So yeah, how do you rate this in terms of probability? Uh, I think it's possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you mean like the Knights of Ren are being deceitful or they genuinely think that they're, they're loyal? I think it could be either. Mm. Like, I think it could be a case where everyone is being conned. And although it would kind of make them all look a bit stupid, because in my head I have a vision of the Knights of Ren, like, stumbling across, like, a factory, Attack of the Clone style, <laughs> and just finding these legions of troopers and going like, oh, wow, how awesome! Let's take them back to Kylo Ren. He'll be so happy. It's like poetry, it rhymes. <laughs> and then they ship them all over to Kylo Ren, and he's also really happy. They completely trust that this is all okay and not suspicious at all. And then it goes horribly wrong. So, yeah, like, I don't literally think that's how it's going to play out. But, (laughs) like, these people have got to come out of somewhere. And later on, when we talk about the Allegiance comic series, I want to elaborate a bit on ideas and theories about timelines and what happens when. Oh, my, you're going all in on the spec. (laughs) My mind is firing on all cylinders. So, yeah. My imagination is in overdrive. It's very exciting. Mine is not actually. I think I'm, I'm kind of uh, f- f- all fried after the last few episodes, where I'm just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we we did get pretty deep and intense, so I think that's a very reasonable response. Yeah, I don't know why. I think I'm just being a lot more guarded with predictions this time. Um, probably based on the fact that we have s- such little information in comparison, but. Um, I think it's with the Sith Troopers all of these various ideas that we're discussing sound appealing um, and they could all add up to a similar outcome in the end you know so of course like and I've come up with several theories for the precise reason that I don't like the thought of just coming up with one and then becoming overly attached to it so if I come up with several then that's fine because even if it's just one of them then that's a great outcome (laughs) and I'll only get pissed off if it's none of them (laughs) no I'm teasing I'm teasing but um, yeah JJ Abrams ruined your childhood (laughs) didn't give you exactly what you wanted yeah I'll become the angry YouTuber wait and see (laughs) um okay so theory number two Kylo has had the Sith troopers cooking up in the background as his personal clone army See the posture in between Hux and Kylo in The Force Awakens regarding their preferred types of troopers. He sends the Knights of Ren to fetch them, and they either remain loyal to him or wind up turning on him to serve Palpatine. See above. See, I do like the idea of um, a callback to that line. I found that really Mm. interesting in The Force Awakens. Yeah. But again, why would they be called Sith Troopers if they're originally meant to be under Kylo's command? That's what's not adding up for me. Yeah. I mean, it's also possible that they're not even named Sith Troopers in the movie, because Star Wars does that a lot. I don't see the word Sith Troopers actually being spoken, to be honest. Yeah, so I I don't know. (laughs) Basically, I'm sorry, I sound so boring. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, any of these sound good to me. Whatever. For me, the main strike against that theory is that I'm not sure Kylo is competent enough to (laughs) pull that off. (laughs) That's a good point. Like, I know that's really mean, but, you know, the logistical planning of actually creating an entire army. Like, I'm not sure he can tie his own shoelaces. Oh, so. okay, be fair. <laughs> that's a bit <laughs> okay, too, that's too much. <laughs> this is Leia Organa's son we're talking about, okay? He has some strategic competence, surely. Yeah, and I don't think they have shoelaces and stalls anyway. So <laughs> well, Kylo certainly doesn't. <laughs> 
He's got a little Velcro on his boots. <laughs> yeah, so this is another one that I can see happening, but also just as easily not. Because um, at the end of the day, we know that he's had some time to prepare, right? In the, the time between the two movies at this point. So he's been Supreme Leader for a while. Um, mm-hmm. That could be going well, in air quotes, or badly. We just don't know yet. Yeah. That is one of the greatest mysteries for me. Right. Like, to see what sort of leader he is. If he's any at all, or if it's just like a figurehead thing at this point. <laughs> if he's in, even interested in ruling by himself. Yeah. Because it seemed like, based on that throne room proposal, that he wanted to rule with Ray, and now he's kind of stuck by himself, and Hux is there too, obviously, but then we've got Pride, and whatever Palpatine's got going on, so... Yeah. I don't think it's going to be an easy ride. If anything, I can see him motivating himself to rule the galaxy purely to piss Hux off. Because <laughs> he knows that if he didn't do it, then Hux would. That is a good give point. Hux the satisfaction. It's like the slightly lesser of two evils, arguably. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure he thinks so. Yeah. So. yeah. Th- that's my head kind of motive for him, mm-hmm. if that does turn out to be the case. Um, okay, and then final theory, which again, it could be blended with either of the two previous theories, but it could also work in isolation. The Sith Troopers help to enact a mutiny in the First Order, serving whoever overthrows Kylo Ren as its leader, probably Palpatine slash some sort of stand-in for him. Hmm. So, yeah, like which would again tie into the whole Order 66 things, you know, where there's a betrayal and all the sands of allegiance and factions shift and like everything's thrown topsy-turvy. I can see this being likely, um, especially as we have the distinction between those and the regular First Order troopers. So you could have some conflict going on between yeah. those, which would be interesting. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they're going to have very different styles of combat and stuff. Hmm. Is there anything else you would like to say about all the Sith Trooper stuff, Kirsty? I know we covered a lot of ground with them last time, so it's yeah. absolutely fine if you have nothing else to say. I don't really have anything else of substance to say. It's just it's been nice to learn a little bit more about them and see um, see them on display against all the rest of the Troopers, because it's almost like a Star Wars tradition, really, isn't it, to have a new Trooper design? Yeah, exactly. And it's a pretty badass-looking design as well. It's nice to get such a good look at them. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So then we'll move on to the bulk of our news discussion, which will be a run-through of the exciting publishing news. So on Friday 19th of July, they had the Lucasfilm publishing panel at San Diego Comic-Con, and there were a few really exciting announcements at that panel. Um, Yeah, and we're just going to run through the key ones. Um, So yeah, would you like to take it away with the first one, Kirsty, about a certain comic book featuring a certain fave? (laughs) Yes, so Charles Saul had hinted before that he had something to announce, and I'd kind of been thinking it was just Project Luminous stuff, um, but they're still not allowed to talk about that, so <laughs> some might argue that it was kind of silly of them to announce that back in April, because they still can't share anything of substance, but what do I know? This is Marvel's The Rise of Kylo Ren, and it's out in December. I don't think we have specific dates yet, so it's going to be interesting to see whether some of it comes out before the movie or if it's all afterwards, because I think that will have implications for how much they can share of their backstory. Um, mm-hmm. But Charles Saul announced the four-issue miniseries and could not contain his excitement. I can't believe I'm doing it. It's astonishing. And he also described it as from Ben to Ren. 
Ooh. which I loved. <laughs> yeah, that is really interesting. As a soundbite, that has great promise mm-hmm. for this actually being a story with some substance. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. A four-issue miniseries probably isn't going to give us the most in terms of a detailed backstory, but it's something. And people have been yeah. champing at the bit for more Kylo content, so... Or at least, like, more of how he got from Ben Solo to Kylo Ren. Because obviously we had, like, a little bit of that in The Last Jedi. And presumably there'll be more in the next movie, but I don't know, there's, there's a lot to cover there, so... Yeah. No, it's going to be so fascinating. Um... And yeah, I remember reading somewhere, like someone alluding to the fact that this was going to involve Kylo, the Knights of Ren, and Luke. Did you see that as well? Uh, You mean someone officially or speculation? Well, that's the thing. It was just a comment on a Reddit thread. So they presented it in a way that suggested someone in an official capacity had said it, but I haven't seen anything to back that up. I I don't know because we don't have like a live stream of the panel. So we just kind of been going based on what people have reported. I haven't seen that anywhere. Um, So it's hard to know exactly when this comic will start, whether Kylo's already with Snoke and has his Kylo Ren costume and his Kylo Ren saber and everything, or if it's like the story of how that all came to be. So yeah. I think what's interesting is that the title kind of mirrors The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that's true. And I, I think it's very interesting to describe ben solo becoming kylo ren as a rise as opposed to a fall that's a really good point yeah you could argue that from kylo's point of view it's a sort of self-actualization rather than like some descent into like a poor state he's gaining power and influence and stuff right when he clearly didn't feel powerful or influential at all as uncle luke's student Mm. Yeah, if you mirror that with The Rise of Skywalker, that was obviously, since that title was announced, lots of speculation as to who that Skywalker was. Um, I think it kind of refers to the legacy in general, but that encompasses Kylo Ren, kind of his, what we theorise to be his future redemption in that story will kind of embody that for the Skywalker family. Yeah. So it's like we're seeing him go from Ben to Ren and then hopefully from Ren to Ben. Yeah, certainly. Just keeps on rising in a different way. <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking, God, I would love it if this comic series literally picks up straight after that flashback yeah. in The Last Jedi, when the hut crumbles. That would be so exciting. I would flip my shit. Yeah, I mean, what does he do at that point? Like, obviously, we know at some level he flees to Snoke, but are we going to get this idea that the Knights of Ren are also Luke's former students? Because that was obviously, like, suggested by The Last Jedi. But we don't know for sure. Exactly. And yeah, like he was literally in his pajamas. So (laughs) he wasn't stomping around looking like this evil badass at that point. Did he leave his calligraphy set? (laughs) Yeah, it's so fascinating because, yeah, according to Luke's account, it's that like after the encounter in the hut, Ben slash Kylo turned on him, killed half the students and ran off. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, it would be so fascinating to get an objective depiction of that series of events and actually see what happened. Because, yeah, what we get in The Last Jedi is like an elaborate version of Telephone where it's different people transmitting these stories and telling it from their own biases and their own hurts. And, yeah, you can't really trust what anyone says. Exactly. I'm just fascinated to see whether these Knights of Ren, like, what is their actual relationship with Kylo? Are they friends? Yeah. 
<laughs> are they just like co-workers have they all been <laughs> off in these separate corners of the galaxy or are they all together and then they're coming back to report to the new supreme leader who's also their who used to be their peer like mm. i don't know yeah i have thoughts on that but again i'll get to when we get to the comic book the the other one. Oh, okay <laughs> sorry there's so many comic books <laughs> And all of this is making me want to go back and reread, or at least go further with the Charles Saul Vader series, because I read the first Ooh, couple of issues of yeah. that, and it was really good. I was impressed by those, the art and the writing. Um, and nice. they they pick up right after Revenge of the Sith, pretty much. So there's a lot of interesting stuff between Anakin and Palpatine, um, how Anakin is dealing with the loss of Padme, and mm-hmm. what lengths he'll go to to try and bring her back. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think, and I've I've even seen that uh, Vader is like paralleling Kylo with quotes from The Last Jedi and that, um, emphasizing that he's a monster and stuff like that. So, sounds good to me. I think Charles Saul is very interested in the relationship between these two characters. Yeah, it definitely seems like they picked a really good guy to work on this, so that's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, the art, by the way, that we have for this comic series so far, which is Kylo surrounded by his merry band of knights, is awesome. It's really, really cool. So I hope the actual art is also in a similar style. Um, I doubt it will be black and white. I'd imagine it will probably be full colour. But yeah, it's just so stylish and it drives home how awesome those Knights of Ren costumes are. The only thing that concerns me is I'm not seeing Trash Can Ren. Oh no... I don't think he's uh, made it from the Force Awakens concept art. I think he was scrapped, thrown in the trash, where he belongs. <laughs> he's an emblem for fandom. Like they're well, he was one of past. my favorites, but I guess we've talked bef- before about who our favorites are. I also like Kitar Ren and Waffle Face Ren. <laughs> waffle Face. Ren. <laughs> he looks like a waffle. His helmet's a waffle. Okay. <laughs> You're so right. Oh my god. Um, yep, and then the next thing that we have is Return to Vader's Castle, which looks like it's going to be a Halloween thing. And it's got some awesomely spooky art going on of Vader surrounded by vines and looking very intimidating. Um, yeah, would you like to read out the blurb mm-hmm. for that, Kirsty? Return to Vader's Castle, another collection of spooky stories coming for Halloween season, will focus on the bad guys. Stories will centre around Darth Maul, Asajj Ventress, Jabba the Hutt, Darth Vader, and Grand Moff Tarkin. In the original Tales from Vader's Castle series, writer Kevin Scott turned Christopher Lee's Count Dooku into a vampire. Now he's turning Tarkin, or Peter Cushing, another horror icon, alongside Christopher Lee into a classic archetype. Long ago, Grand Moff Tarkin created a monster, said Scott, who's now coming after him. Horror fans rejoice. Black and white covers will also be available. In addition, a print version of Scott's Dooku Jedi Lost, previously an audio-only release, is on the way in October. Which I think we'd heard rumours about before, because I think there was like an accidental Amazon listing or something like that. Yeah, that's right, there was. Good to know, and I think I'll be purchasing that, because I kind of want to revisit that story. Um, Yeah. And I need to go back to the original Vader's Castle series. I haven't seen much about it in terms of reviews, but I really like Kevin Scott's writing, and I think the idea... Dooku was a vampire and Tarkin is Frankenstein sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> it does. I love it. And yeah, as someone who's seen those old Hammer films, it's just such a fantastic meld 
especially given the actors involved. Exactly, it's perfect. The histories of those actors and then these characters. Because, yeah, it does also make sense because, yeah, they cast people like Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing for good reason in Star Wars. And, yeah, match made in Star Wars Heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like they can have fun with series like this and not worry too much about the designation of canon versus not canon. It's like, you know, it's it's pulpy, it's it's fun. And yeah. the artwork looks really cool too. Exactly. I, I kind of prefer this type of storytelling where it can just get really wild and free. You know, like I think there's a certain shelf life on, oh, we're going to have another adventure in the galaxy. Woo! Like it's really nice for me when they play with genre and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's why I like the um, IDW Galaxy of Adventures series, just because they're a bit freer. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're very different to these because they're more geared towards young children. But I think for that reason, it's like, you know, it's just exploring the characters and having fun with them. Exactly. It's more playful. It's always fun. Um, right. And then the next thing that we're going to talk about is the book Force Collector by Kevin Shinnick. And I'll read this out. In Journey to Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker's Force Collector, Kevin Shinnick strove to present a feeling of mystery when pulled from when we didn't know a galaxy far, far away. What he wanted to do was to try and capture that feeling of not knowing Star Wars, not knowing who the Jedi were, he said. As such, Force Collector is set on a world with fewer resources in terms of historical knowledge, which propels the story's protagonist on his adventure. When the main character touches an object, Shinnick explained, he can see its history. His grandmother believes he may be Force-sensitive and encourages him to head out on his own. She's like, I think if you go out into the world, life will teach you the way. So, yeah, it's really cool to get a bit more insight into what's going on with this book, especially now we've left the, oh, it's the Force Collector Ben Solo (laughs) um, (laughs) spec behind us. That was short-lived. It was short-lived, yeah. It was very quickly put down, which is good. Um, But, yeah, like, it sounds like a really nice concept for a book. And, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Kirsty? There's been some confusion over whether this is a Galaxy's Edge tie-in or a Rise of Skywalker tie-in. Yeah, it sounds like it's meant to be both, which hadn't previously been said, right? When they announced Mm. it, they announced it as part of the journey to the Rise of Skywalker. But yesterday, it was presented as part of the Galaxy's Edge lineup which i'm not sure how because well we'll find out at some point i presume but it doesn't look like he's on batu yeah no um, so it'll be interesting to see how it ties in maybe the stuff he collects is stuff that you can buy in galaxy's edge it could just be that tenuous <laughs> you know i wouldn't put it past them yeah that's possible <laughs> i think that what's most interesting to me is this idea of bringing more psychometry into canon because i think the most with new canon at the moment we have Quinlan Voss, so this idea of touching an object and then being force sensitive so it connects to you and like tells you something about the object um, sure. I know when the Force Awakens came out and Rey touches the saber and has those visions, people were speculating that that's the same kind of thing, but I don't think it's, I, mean, I think it's meant to be similar and it's obviously an effective storytelling device, but not quite the same and I like this idea of him finding out more about the history of the Force and the Jedi through that means so... Yeah, no, it seems like a really interesting device. And I also like that he's inspired to go on his journey by his grandmother, 
that's always refreshing. Mm-hmm. Have a nice, powerful female presence in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the next thing that we want to talk about is the comic series Star Wars Allegiance. Um, we did previously know this was coming out, but what's new is we have the cover art for all four issues. And the cover art is very interesting in what I've been alluding to not so subtly <laughs> um, in previous sections. So yeah, I'll quickly read out the publisher's summary and then we can start talking about the cover art. So, on the run since the destruction of the Starkiller base, General Leia and the remaining handful of the Resistance have barely managed to survive, much less strike back against the superior forces of the First Order. Running low on options, Leia decides to reach out to her former allies, the Mon Calamari, whose shipyards once powered the Rebel Alliance. We have some beautiful covers, so would you like to describe what's going on in all four covers combined? I guess, Kirsty. Yeah, it comes together in this beautiful collage art that um, we first saw as like one image. Um, so you've got Leia, Rose, Ray fighting some kind of monster with her staff and the Falcon. Um, that's the first issue. And then you've got Kylo and Hux and more of like a First Order presence. Or those C3PO and R2 were there as well, right? <laughs> yeah, um, maybe they're defect. <laughs> they could be evil versions of them that happens um and then we have finn and poe um and then the last one again is is ray with bba and a wookiee who doesn't look like chewy but it's a wookiee yeah maybe it's chewy's son i do actually see a resemblance to that creepy child (laughs) from the holiday special do you see what i mean though yeah that would be cool if it was lumpy the return of Lumpy. Yeah, That's what I mean, he's, a, he's already in canon from the Aftermath series, so totally possible. Um, nice. Lumpawaru. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of them returning to Mon- Moncala. I don't know, again, this has like a lovely pulpy feel. Yeah. No, it's really beautiful art. And yeah, what interests me is what is not in this cover art. And I know it's a fool's errand to look too closely into something like cover art because it's probably not meant to be too representative of like the time and place etc but I think there's clearly some effort to represent that this is a time period between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker oh yeah Um, because it's not like they're just reusing a shot of Finn from The Force Awakens era which does happen surprisingly often I know even for promo for more recent movies um, which is frustrating, but it makes it notable to me that they're not doing that here because they've clearly given him much longer hair, for example, mm-hmm. to say, yep, we've progressed, time is moving on. Yeah, and the costumes um, look different too. So, Yeah, and what's really interesting to me is there's no red troopers on this cover art, and this is clearly like a prelude to The Rise of Skywalker. So this is pushing me further in the direction that I don't think... Th- the Sith Troopers are going to be pre-established at the start of the film. They just turn up in the movie. <laughs> well, yeah, I think they're going to be introduced in the course of the film, hmm. basically. Yeah, I think that's possible. And yeah, and also no Pride and no Knights of Ren on this cover art. Mm-hmm. So, and again, it doesn't necessarily have to show them. They could be involved in the plot in some way um, without featuring on the cover art. That's perfectly possible. But I feel like if they were involved, they'd probably feature in some way, which says to me that they're probably still off doing something while this is happening. And Kylo and Hux are left to their own devices to figure shit out, which 
it's probably going to be a laughable disaster. So, yeah, that'll be funny. Um, and also no mask for Kylo. So I don't think he's fixed it. I think he's still swanning about with his face bare to the world. Hmm. You've made a lot of great observations there. <laughs> I am pretty much just like, oh, Ray's wearing gloves and black boots. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a great observation. I thought she it was looks interesting. pretty fab. Yeah, I mean, obviously she's wearing that um, that mask as well because presumably she's on a planet that's hostile to humans in terms of oxygen levels. Uh, I don't know if mm-hmm. that's Moncala or somewhere else. Um, yeah. But yeah, the gloves just stood out to me uh, in that last issue where she's holding the staff. I was like, oh, yeah. haven't seen Ray wearing gloves like that before. And that's another point, like which again ties into the whole what don't we see in these yeah, like we don't see the saber. Images. We do not see the saber, mm. which would tell us that it's not fixed yet. Woo! Yes. Or she's reluctant to use it for some reason. I don't know. I think there's a few different possibilities there. But you're right. There's been quite a lot of imagery with the staff, which I think is especially interesting after the Last Jedi. Um, yeah. I mean, I like that she's still using it, and we even see Finn holding it in the trailer. But yeah, where's the saber? Yeah, no, she's very, very attached to that staff. And yeah, what's it, What's happening? What, what's it all about? <laughs> we'll find out in October 2019. Yeah, Sabre staff. No. <laughs> I don't think they're actually going to do that, to be honest. It would be too fanservice-y, but I wouldn't complain. That's the kind of fanservice I want to see. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't really have an opinion on what she ends up with, Sabre-wise. I know lots of people have strong opinions on that, but it doesn't really bother me. But it is interesting to know she's not currently wielding it. So, yeah. Are we going to see her fixing it in The Rise of Skywalker? Or at that point, because there's been a jump, has it already been fixed? Yeah. And also, what do we think about the title, Star Wars Allegiance, and the implications of that? Um, Well, I guess if we go back to the premise, it's Leia trying to make these connections with people who were former allies but that implies that they're not right now because obviously at the end of the last jedi they had trouble getting allies to come to their aid um and what is the implication now that akbar's gone and he was presumably like the bridge between those cultures that connected um what kind of reception are they going to get yeah no i definitely think that's going to be the main thrust of the story in terms of we desperately need allies to save our asses right now (laughs) so yeah that's clearly going to be a big part of what happens um i do think it might also tie in very subtly i don't expect to see much overt stuff to that whole idea of factionalism that we've been beating the drum about in regards to the sith troopers because yeah we might see people forming allegiances and taking sides within the first order for example I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see more bickering between Kylo and Hux. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe while the Resistance is forming allegiances, allegiances are being broken within the First Order. <laughs> it's going to become more and more dysfunctional. Very messy. Yeah. Yeah, so that is a very enticing looking prospect. And I think it comes out surprisingly early, actually. I think it's like October? It is, yeah, it says uh, October. So. Nice. Yeah, we don't have exact dates, but that's early enough. For it to kind of start filling the gaps, but obviously not be too spoilery for the movie. So, just keep our expectations in check. (laughs) Yeah, 
exactly. We're not going to expect anything hugely revelatory. So, yeah, I expect most of it will be about Ray beating up that big monster thing. Oh, beating up or eventually overcoming with compassion. Like Probably the latter, uh, to be honest. Forces of destiny. Yeah, I think it would be the forces of destiny route. Like if she does like, have to strike it with that staff, it'd probably be in the most gentle, non-violent way possible. <laughs> so yeah, we, we all know Ray is a pacifist at heart. <laughs> um, yeah, but then on stars.com they've got some comic book cover art that I'm not going to dwell on in depth because these are from the ongoing Star Wars comic series that neither of us read or follow. But I will say that I like the emphasis on romance. So they've got honeymooners. Who is on this one cover? Who is this guy with Leia? Oh, you mean further down? Yeah. <laughs> Leia in love? Question mark explanation point. Yeah, just to be clear to the people listening without the visual enhanced version of the podcast, it is not Han Solo who is looking deeply into Leia's eyes, mm-hmm. and that is the cause for Kirsty's deep alarm. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I've been cool with them both having love interests before, but it's like, oh, okay. It does give me serious courtship of Princess Leia vibes. It does. can be good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure we need to return to that right now. <laughs> we will at some point I think I also on the same cover where Leia is being romanced by this random guy who admittedly has very nice fashion sense um, the girl behind Luke I know she looks a bit like Rose to me she does like the hairstyle the clothing it's like mm. yeah we're probably embarrassing ourselves if this is an existing character in the comics we don't know <laughs> yes. but yeah it immediately I was like wait what that doesn't add up <laughs> <laughs> but the timeline yeah that looks like Rose, but it can't be. So, <laughs> yeah. As long as they don't pull bullshit, like, oh, it's Rose's mother. <laughs> like, Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us alone. Yeah, these covers are fabulous. They almost make me want to read the comics, which is impressive. So they've got like Chewy fighting Darth Vader. <gasps> oh my god, and, like, I just saw that one. That's so cool. Go and like Chewy. holding the saber aloft. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, we should also talk about these Star Wars Adventures ones because um, one's been announced that's set between um, The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker with Ooh, Chewie going yeah. back to Kashyyyk and the First Ooh, Order nice. trying to conquer it, which obviously echoes the Empire. Um, so che- we know that for at least part of that time jump, Chewie's going to be away from the rest of the Resistance. Yeah. And he's taking a pork with him. I just noticed the pork on the cover. <laughs> Excellent. That's such an important detail. It would not be the same without the pork. Beautiful. Yeah. So I'll be reading that for sure. Poor Kashyyyk. Yeah. Jesus. It just doesn't get a break, does it? (laughs) Okay. And then the next thing that we'd like to talk about is the cover to the visual dictionary. Um, So we knew this was coming. Obviously, we knew it was coming. Um, But previously, we only had a placeholder cover. Whereas now we have a beautiful final cover with full Technicolor illustrations. So yeah, what stands out to you on this cover, Kirsty? The big Knight of Wren. This is (laughs) a really detailed look at one of the costumes. This is Waffle Face Wren, again. Um, (laughs) And what's interesting to me is I kind of presumed that all of their costumes would be black like Kylo's. But this is like a textured grey knit rather than leather. Or like the coated denim leather kind of thing, which I think yeah. Kylo often wears. But um, 
yeah, I really like it. Yeah, it looks amazing. And I'll tell you something I've also just noticed looking at it now. And this is probably a bit of a reach. But can you remember Pride's costume in the way it has like an unusual like wraparound style, mm. like almost like Japanese? Yeah. This Knight of Ren, his tunic has a similar thing going on. It's a very different kind of costume, but in terms of that design element. And yeah, my mad little speck brain is just thinking, hmm. I think the, the samurai imagery for the Knights of Ren is really on the nose, especially with that weapon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, that that's yeah. the case for Kylo too, but I think they're yeah. really going to be pushing that. And with, with that, the themes of loyalty and honour um, in the movie, I yeah. believe. So. Yeah, no, it is exactly what we want to see, so it'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Lots of other things stand out as well, though. Uh, Janna's energy bow with repurposed blaster barrel. That looks amazing. It does. I've loved that weapon that. ever since that Vanity Fair shot. It just looks so beautiful. Uh-huh. And... Um. Uh, yeah, it's a great shot of Ray looking mm-hmm. pretty fabulous in her costume. Um, and I've seen people excited about the new tie design. That's obviously not really our jam, but it looks cool. Dorito tie. <laughs> Is that a Kirsty original? No, it's not. I was thinking okay. more pizza, but other people have said it looks like Doritos, and I can see what they mean. Yeah, yeah, I can see the Doritos. <laughs> just, just cover it with um, like cheesy, disgusting stuff. That actually tastes really yummy. Sorry, I love Doritos, but I also hate myself a lot. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that night of Ren, would you bet five pounds on that being Matt Smith? I mean, I, I'd put five pounds on anything. <laughs> it's only five pounds. I need to up the ante so it's something significant. Would you bet a hundred pounds on that being Matt Smith? No. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a test of confidence. Yeah, it's just my current budget levels really, isn't it? <laughs> um, I probably wouldn't put a hundred pounds on anything. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Matt Smith yeah. is a mystery. Is he even in the film? We still don't know for sure. Um, Matt Smith is like the Schrodinger's cat of Rise of Skywalker at this point. Yeah, maybe he's in it and he's also not in it. Maybe he goes uncredited. Who knows? <laughs> I'd love if he is literally just a stormtrooper this whole time. Honestly, a big like, question oh, no. for me regarding the Knights of Ren is which of them can actually see? <laughs> yes. Because oh that, God. you know, that visor bit around the eyes is it actually something that he can see through yeah it does not look practical at all the visibility must be very poor but they're committed to the aesthetic and i respect that so yeah no they're pretty hardcore about it (laughs) you've got to admire it i'm just imagining Um, them like you know those behind the scenes shots of adam driver on like the takadana location (laughs) just stumbling around not particularly threatening (laughs) But, like, it would be even more hilarious because it's like that, like, Times. multiplied <laughs> I know. By, by six. <laughs> Just, like, haphazardly swinging their weapons, <laughs> almost <laughs> catching each other instead of their enemies. <laughs> oh, my God. That must have actually happened as well. So I hope they have the behind-the-scenes footage of that. Yes. Well, yeah. Lots of behind-the-scenes footage of the Knights of Ren. Yeah. Um, yep, and then another thing that we want to talk about is the Search and Find book, which is clearly for little children, but because we're mature adults, we like to talk about this stuff extensively. Um, yeah, so what did you get out of this cover, Kirsty? I didn't myself get anything out of it because I was a bit confused. I saw people like, oh, this means the Knights of Ren are confirmed to be on Persana. 
But I thought we already knew that based on the Vanity Fair coverage. Because mm. there's that photo of JJ with them behind the scenes in the desert. Yeah. We definitely knew that they were on Pasana. Right. That's not a surprise. I think the only thing of note is that they're clearly in some sort of civilised area together as like the little squad. And Kylo's with them. Yeah, and Kylo's with them. Right. So like maybe this is how they are when they first land on the planet. Like the whole squad is together and then it's like, right, we're gonna split off and like you're gonna go and chase that lot and I'm gonna chase this one and Yeah, raise mine. Yeah, exactly. That's all. For uh, strictly professional reasons, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I can only imagine it's that sort of situation. Um, it's just like doing things to my head because it looks so much like the market on Jakku. It's not even funny. And it's just like, you better have a good reason for making this not Jakku, guys. Better have a good reason. Uh, yeah, that's hard to say right now. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I don't expect you to have an answer. To oh that, no, not me. But like, I think it could just as easily be like, no, we just felt like having a new planet. Can't get enough of those desert planets. JJ just loves sand. Attack <laughs> <laughs> uh, the clones reference. Um. So another thing I noticed on this cover was that the bit at the bottom where Ray and Kylo are fighting the Praetorian guards. There's one of those purple observer people. Who mysteriously disappear, like they just, as soon as Snoke gets sliced in half, they're like, I'm out. Um, these are the people who help navigate and like have like that big lens that supposedly looks towards the unknown regions or something. Yeah. They're very mysterious and they were only really like explored in the uh, visual dictionary. So it's just like extra material that could be changed to suit anything. Yes. But yeah, you notice in the movie that they are there in the background lurking and then they're just completely gone. They're not hanging around to be slaughtered. <laughs> like, I do actually like this though. This almost feels quite realistic. Like in the chaos of that situation, because that pose even. That, that, yeah, he's like, like oh, observer oh, has. where do I go? It's like, oh, oh dear. <laughs> I oh, really no. need to get oh, to the lift, oh, but it's on the other side. <laughs> Like, it really feels like a robot chicken scare yeah. waiting to happen, you know? You can imagine them all, like, trying to cram into the elevator. <laughs> like, furiously jamming the bus and, like, move, move. Oh. Or maybe oh, they all God. went and this is just the last one. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm just going to go and hide in the corner and hope no one notices me. I thought you were my friend. <laughs> can you imagine if, like, that observer person, like, came out from the hiding place, like, after that, like, showdown between, like, Kylo and Hux? like after Hux discovers Snoke's body and they're like oh I'm alive oh god oh did you see what happened <laughs> and Kylo would be like snap the neck yeah at that yeah. point it's like oh you really need to get off the supremacy because it's uh, cut in half yeah exactly it's not much fun <laughs> Um, yeah and then finally we saw a little bit more from the Skywalker saga which is written by Delilah S. Dawson including some sample pages. Yeah, and the art looks very nice. It's by Brian Rood, so it's a style that we're all very familiar with. It's basically like an ultra-realistic style. To me, to be honest, it basically looks like painted over versions of screen caps. So I do like it very much. Like, it looks very nice and aesthetically pleasing, but it doesn't offer much more than what the films offer you, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm going to keep my expectations in check after seeing these preview pages, um, because I'd initially been really excited about the idea of like a retelling of the Skywalker saga from like very much a fairy tale perspective. 
Um, yeah. This, to me, just reading these pages that we have, it doesn't really add much to the movies. It kind of just seems yeah. like a summarizing and, like, you know, using the exact dialogue that they use. And um, so I'm not sure I'm going to buy it this this year. Yeah, I think especially when it's not even the complete saga. Right, well, that's you know. another thing. It's it's coming out before the end, but they're advertising it as the Skywalker saga, and it's like, we don't have episode nine yet. Yeah, typical marketing strategy. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, it is acting as marketing for the movie, so that's obviously why. I mean, should we expect another edition in a year or two? Yeah, and again, this might not be fair, but from the style in which it's written like in these preview pages which again is a very small sample so i'm gonna reserve judgment until we find out more but i'm not getting a very firm sense of perspective on it you know so i'm wondering does the fact it's from the perspective of the skywalkers does that just mean like it emits what happens with say finn and poe you know is that stuff left out oh no but it's still like a, a mostly like objective and detached telling of this story yeah you know it's definitely not like a first person like emotional like interior thoughts type thing which i don't think either of us realistically expected it's as is in the movies basically i can't say exactly what i expected because i just hadn't thought about it that much but i kind of thought it would give us something new and yeah like i said so far based on these pages it's not really it's just kind of an, an account that we're already familiar with so mm-hmm. if it's not getting into their heads and perspectives, then um, yeah, I guess we'll just wait and see. It could also be that they're sharing these pages because they know they don't really spoil too much. Yeah, exactly. they might. They might have some parts that go into things a bit more. Yeah, we can only hope. So yeah, more will become apparent in due course. Um, yep. So we have what should be a relatively brief spotlight especially compared to the marathon ones we've been doing for the last few weeks um but before we get to that i wanted to read out a listener email that we just had today actually so it was sent just in time so this is from carol um would you like to read it out kirsty sure hello scavengers horde thank you for producing such a wonderful podcast i have a question regarding the youtube animated shorts of star wars Though I do love the Galaxy of Adventures shorts, they're truly beautifully animated. I was wondering if the Forces of Destiny project has been cancelled or put on hold. Have you guys heard anything? Additionally, do you have a favourite Galaxy of Adventures and or Forces of Destiny short? Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the lovely email, Carol. Um, We appreciate the kind words. Um, Yeah, and with Forces of Destiny, um, you were mentioning to me, Kirsty, that you'd seen something... Not like a formal announcement, but you'd seen someone allude to the fact that we shouldn't expect anything in a hurry from that. Yeah, I don't know how helpful this is because I haven't had time to go and check, but I think someone on Twitter uh, involved with the project said that it was that you, we shouldn't really expect any new content anytime soon. Right. Um, I don't know exactly what language they used, whether it was cancelled or just put on hiatus or whatever, but I think Galaxy of, of Adventures is kind of taking front and centre for the the animated shorts for now uh, which is a shame right. because I, I love them both like carol i think they're great um but i i really loved forces of destiny so i'd like to see more of that at some point if possible yeah no i really enjoy both projects um i definitely prefer the animation style for galaxy of adventures and i find the episodes for that are a bit more striking and they stay with me. Of course they have the advantage of being based on stuff I'm already familiar with and like from the movies because 
is just direct recreations of stuff so it had an easier task to begin with but yeah in terms of favorites like for galaxy of adventures stuff these are basic choices and i've said them before but it would be stuff like the han and leia episode um which summarized their relationship in a really beautiful way and then the jedi versus sith one which was just badass beyond belief so good yeah i really liked those too um i think for the same reason i probably overall prefer the force of destiny ones because they're different stories yeah um, i just felt like they added a little more to these female characters that they were centered around and my favorite ones although i enjoy them all are probably the ones of ray on jakku before the force awakens so her helping rescue people and showing compassion like we said earlier to monsters who seem unfriendly at first but are actually just kind of hungry and in need of some love mm-hmm. um yeah i think they're really adorable and i love animated bb8 so yeah no i agree i think the ray episodes are the ones that i remember most clearly from forces of destiny so they definitely left the strongest impression I, I also vaguely remember one with Leia and the Ewoks. Mm-hmm. That was pretty badass. Yeah, they're really cute. Yeah. Anything Leia and Ewoks is like an easy sell to me, though. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, give, give it to me. The one where they give her the the dress. Yes. <laughs> it's like, where did that come from? Little cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> from a prior victim. <laughs> yeah, it's very sinister. Um, okay, cool. So we can now move into our spotlights, which, yeah, as I hopefully prepared people for, it's not going to be super in-depth. And this is mainly going to be like a quick and dirty summary of the main conclusions we came to over the course of our theorizing in the last few episodes. So basically listen to this if you don't want to listen to several hours of us analyzing the Cupid and Psyche myth in relation to souls. Because... <laughs> We appreciate that that is not everyone's jam and yeah, thought it might be helpful to give people something in a slightly more digestible format. So yeah, perhaps we should take it in turns, Kirsty, and read a bullet point each. Sure. I hope it makes grammatical sense, so apologies if it does not. (laughs) Kylo and Rey may end up spending the bulk of the movie, the first two acts, physically separated. If this is the case, however, their relationship will be explored extensively via the Force Bond. They will both, in their own ways, struggle with the separation, though this may well be denied rather than confronted. And yeah, just to quickly provide a bit of context, if they do do it in that way, where they're physically separated, but there are freaky force bond things going on, it would also be this idea of reflecting that they're as much independent actual characters and human beings as they are the other side of the person. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, by keeping it like abstract and metaphysical, you'd really be driving home that other part of yourself angle. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this aspect of the story because I think Kylo and Rey are two characters who have tremendous capacity to be in denial to themselves and to yeah. others. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see that as angst explored in their emotional conflict. Yeah. I think we said last week that there's going to be this sense from both of them that they were betrayed by the other. You know, you left me, well, you didn't come with me, that kind of thing. So there's going to be echoes of that. Yeah, I think people should be prepared for, to a certain extent, some what might feel like a bit echoing or, or even retreads if you're being cynical 
of some of the ground that they covered in The Last Jedi. So we know from the Vanity Fair interview with Daisy Ridley, for example, that she's still hung up on this idea of, Kylo, you have freaking everything. Why did you give it away? So I do feel like that sort of question will be revisited with them, perhaps through this sort of medium as well. So like a force bond type thing. But I think if it is revisited, it won't be done in the same way. So oh, it won't exactly. feel like repetition because the whole deal with Kylo in The Last Jedi was that he wasn't really answering her questions. He wasn't being honest with her. So, yeah, I think we'll see it be a much more open type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think if they go backwards, it's it's to expand on those things and like force Kylo to reflect on things that he's been trying to deflect for for years now. Cool. So then the next bullet point. During the separation, Kylo and Rey will both be pursuing their own quests slash tasks, assisted by their friends. In quotation marks. So Kylo's friends being the Knights of Ren and Rey's being Poe, Finn and Rose, etc, etc. I think it's going to be interesting to see the sorts of influences that their respective friendship groups have on them. We know that peer pressure is real. It's a very important and dangerous issue. And... I think Kylo is especially vulnerable to peer pressure. So, yeah, I think it might be that sort of like after school special vibe. (laughs) Um, I do think it's worth maybe considering that, yes, they'll be pursuing their own quest, but it might inadvertently actually be the same quest. Oh, yeah. Because that's how things converge. If they're all on Persana and shit goes down. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't really write that as clearly as I meant to, but is the idea that they're doing these things separately, but they might well have the same goal, even if they don't initially realise that they have the same goal. Yeah. Because, yeah. I think JJ could build that tension really well where the viewer's starting to realise that they're going to come head to head at some point, but maybe they don't know until it's right. It's happening right there. Yeah, exactly. So I assume that they're on Persona, for example, either because... Kylo and gang are pursuing Rey and her gang or because they both wind up there at the same time because they're looking for the same thing mm-hmm. it's going to be one of those two options I think basically. that could end up being pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> oh you it's like awkward exes bumping into each other <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that'd be so heightened and amazing I'd love that um, okay shall yeah. I read the next one uh-huh yeah Particular emphasis will be given to the psychological implications of these tasks, which will require Ray, especially, to engage in sorting activities. This won't just be sorting on a superficial practical level, as it will be about sorting through chaotic and confused thoughts and finding order. As part of this, we may see Ray working through the Jedi texts and having to sift through them, determining what is useful and what can be discarded. Yeah, so this ties back into an elaborate discussion we had about ants and <laughs> helping with tasks and stuff, um, and what that means from a psychological perspective. Um, but yeah, like I think there's a high probability of us seeing something like this, um, because yeah, at the end of The Last Jedi, we see Rey in this situation where she's like, where do we go from here? What the hell's going to happen? And Obviously, there will have been time between the end of The Last Jedi and the start of The Rise of Skywalker for her to sort herself out and to figure out a path for herself and for the Resistance to some extent. But I don't think that's going to be a finished slash completed thing. 
that needs to be part of the story that whole decision making process and what do I need to bring forward with me what do I need to let go that sort of thing yeah and I think you know this idea of Rey being the future of the Jedi it goes beyond just how well she does in training or like the physical aspects of it doesn't it it's in terms of her being the last Jedi now that Luke's gone Um, although of course he'll appear in some capacity but it kind of being down to her responsibility to figure out the new path forward um, reflecting on what the Jedi got wrong in the past and what can be saved and kind of repurposed which uh, Rey as a scavenger is pretty well suited to so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see how easily she gets along with that whether she does it entirely alone or again like you say with friends um, or with Kylo in, in some way mm-hmm. yep uh, this sorting process will also require Ray and Kylo to grapple with how they feel about each other. This will likely involve opportunities to acquire new information and knowledge about each other. Yeah, and I think that ties into what we were talking about before with potential for more force bond stuff and learning new information about each other. And yeah, I think if there was lots of evasion and dancing around the truth in The Last Jedi... I think it's all going to be very raw and very honest in this film. Mm. So yeah, no secrets left. <laughs> I really like the idea of JJ continuing to to explore the Force connection, but in a different way, so it adds something new visually and emotionally to what Ryan did. Um, because Ryan, mm. of course, was building on what JJ did in the interrogation and kind of that connection yeah. moment they had on the cliff at the end of The Force Awakens. So it's just more interesting from a storytelling point of view if things expand. And I think they've hinted at that um, with stuff like the Vanity Fair interviews where they've said, you know, it'll, it'll go even deeper. Yeah, exactly. And I like the idea of like Ryan and JJ sort of like in a friendly way trying to up the ante over the other one. It's like, well, I saw what you did and I raised it to this level. Well, they have to <laughs> no. to some degree because if JJ oh, yeah. just does the same kind of thing as Ryan, it's like, oh, okay. This isn't as interesting as when we first saw The Last Jedi and it kind of blew everyone's minds. Yeah, exactly. So it's got to one-up him, basically, for everyone's good. Um, Okay, then I'll read out the next one. With or without the knowledge of Rey and Kylo, Palpatine will be overseeing and, in part, manufacturing the paths that Rey and Kylo find themselves on. Whether or not they know it, they will be serving him through their labours... And my bet is that they won't know and that the moment of discovery will be a pivotal point of transformation slash discovery for both of them. I don't think that's a wild guess, just to be clear, because it's hardly like they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we're just doing this for Palps. He's well <laughs> buddy now. Like, we serve him. I He's mean, a cool dude. Does Ray even know who Palpatine is at this point? I expect he figured in her legends and stuff and the story she heard. Um, and... I'd imagine over the course of that year, Leia probably told her a few stories. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she probably doesn't have the clearest idea and she will need to be filled in to some extent, which would be great for this movie because, yeah, exposition time. Um, And it'll be this idea that for both of them, just just like us, the viewer, we were shocked to see him or hear him in the teaser. Um, We think he's gone. Yeah. You know, who was part of the Empire and the Empire's gone, but turns out that's not quite true. Yeah. Exactly. And I also like the idea of there being like repeating beats and echoes from film to film. Because in The Last Jedi you have that wonderful moment where Snoke's like, It was I who bridged your minds <laughs> and they're both like, What the fuck? Because they realise that he's 
sort of been orchestrating things for them just to an extent um and obviously he's put in his place quite quickly after that but yeah i think it would be a similar vibe again different because they need to build on it and it would have to serve a different purpose and not just feel repetitious of what's already happened but yeah like this echoes the stars does so well yeah i think you can echo those things if people are making different choices each time to show the character growth yeah could you read out the next point kirsty the climax of the film will occur in a type of underworld perhaps the ruins of the death star here ray and kylo will both be tempted to seek union with the underworld itself for Rey, this may be through a link that Palpatine offers her to her past. For Kylo, this may be about a promise to bind him irrevocably to the legacy of Darth Vader. Yeah, I just love the idea of the Death Star as the underworld, <laughs> basically. Um, and I especially like the idea that it would bring things full circle by making the climax happen there. Because you start off Rey's story in that ruined Star Destroyer on Jakku, and then you bring it to a climax on another ruin. So it's this whole idea of having to grapple with the past and like how do you resolve that and how do you work through it? I just find that a really interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for now that's kind of the most on-the-nose visual parallel we have for the possibility of an underworld in Rose Myth. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to stick with that unless we get new information. Yeah, I think just visually that would work really well. Yep, and then the final bullet point is... For either Rey or Kylo, we speculate Kylo, the venture into the underworld will end badly, possibly in death or something like it, and require the other person to save them. So, yeah. Again, this is based on how the Cupid and Psyche myth like winds up, because Psyche falls into a sleep-like death, and then Cupid has to swoop in out of nowhere <laughs> to save her. I guess a better comparison is like Beauty and the Beast, if the Beast is the one that's hurt, you know, so... Um, yeah, that's when Beauty confesses her love and puts things into action to to save him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just a sucker for the resurrection symbolism. So yeah, so fingers crossed. <laughs> um, yeah, because of course there's all sorts of possibilities for how the film could actually end. Like it could end on a bittersweet note. It could end on a tragic note. Although I really doubt it's going to be a complete downer ending. Oh, I don't think so. This is the end of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, no, exactly. I think it's very unlikely. Let's put it that way. Basically, in terms of our understanding of the structure that they've been following and the archetypes that they seem interested in engaging with, that's our best guess for how it would wind up happening. And yeah, like I think we both feel that Kylo would likely be the one in peril and that Rey would need to be the one to save him, which is why Kirsty named Chet the Beauty and the Beast Smith, because yeah, that has the genders in the right order. The Cupid, the Cupid and Psyche one, you need to switch it around a bit. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I think both will be in danger, but in terms of Kylo needing to redeem himself somehow, I think an element of sacrifice is more likely to come on his end. And as it's happening, Ray will realise that it's a sacrifice on her part too because she cares for him. So we've yeah. seen this like level of denial, as we were talking about earlier throughout the movie. Um, I think there it all comes to a head because what she got left to lose at that point to so get the classic confession and expression of that love. Mm-hmm. However they choose to, to do that, you know. Yeah, it's potential to be very powerful. Um, okay, awesome. So... I think that's the wrap up of our like non-spoiler predictions basically following on from 
the last few weeks of discussion. But we do want to have a brief spoiler discussion. So there aren't any new spoilers because it's just been a complete wasteland for months and months, basically. Absolutely nothing. Nada, zip. But based on our speculation, it just got us thinking about some old reports that had come out about spoilery stuff. And yeah, we wanted to talk about those a bit in relation to where our minds have been going with this analysis. So here is the spoiler siren. I shouldn't. Do it. Okay, so force flash fights. <laughs> that is why I'm here. Because, yeah, as soon as we started talking about this whole idea of sorting through possibilities and choosing like the path for oneself and stuff, I really just started thinking about the old Making Styles report about the flash fights. Um, would you care to read out the excerpts I've included from that report, Kirsty? Sure. Um, I will just say that I know we've had some things come out that kind of support these ideas potentially like the concept art on the the front cover of the art of the rise of skywalker and stuff like that mm-hmm. but i think i'm a little more skeptical than you of some people's trustworthiness yeah like so basically when Kirsty reads this don't take it as 100 percent gospel but know that certain things have come out from official sources that do lend it a bit more credibility yeah and it could just be the case that like someone's heard something and then run with it and kind of elaborate on other things and added in their own speculation mm-hmm, but sure. the core idea could be there in some form who knows um yep. okay essentially when ray and kylo ren first meet again in the rise of skywalker um they've both become considerably more powerful perhaps when angry or determined they can do what snoke did for them linked to one another but because of the context the outcome is different instead of intimate moments the backgrounds appear to change between places we have seen in star wars before From what I understand, they end up back where they started and Kylo does something after the encounter, which I'll talk about soon, I hope. Spoiler alert, he didn't talk about it soon. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, Rey and Kylo clash, and as they battle, the backgrounds change into places throughout Star Wars' vast locations from the nine-part Skywalker saga. To protect sources, I cannot touch on what backgrounds pop up, and even if I did, there's no indication as to which are in the movie for sure. This could explain certain places like the Lars Homestead and Octu, but it also might not, so it makes things even more confusing in some ways. I also don't know if every strike and clash is a new environment, or if they fight in these places for a time before moving on to the next one. We still have a lot of questions about how this will be conveyed on screen. I think this also ties into some comments JJ made, uh, maybe in Vanity Fair? I can't quite remember. Um, mm. about how this last movie and we could predict this he, he says that in some way this movie will tie to all previous movies within the Skywalker saga yeah so this could be a way of visually referencing those without you know tediously going through some exposition to <laughs> tenuously tie things to the Phantom Menace for example of course yeah it's a much more elegant way of doing it. Yeah, and the quote that we were reading out in the last episode that really got me thinking about this report was this one from Robert Johnson. So he said, The feminine aspect of the human psyche has been described as unfocused consciousness. The feminine nature is flooded with the rich fastness of possibilities in life and is drawn to all of them, usually all at once. 
but this is impossible. One cannot do or be so many things at once. Many of the possibilities open to us oppose each other, and one must choose among them. Like the eagle, who has panoramic vision, one must look at the vast river, focus on a single spot, and then dip out a single goblet of water. So, yeah, I love that quote in relation to this whole concept of the force fights and the idea that when Rey and Kylo will fight, they'll flash between all these different locations from across the history of the Star Wars saga as we know it. Um, Because, yeah, in many ways, their dynamic and their conflict is echoing all these earlier dynamics and all these earlier tensions and dramas that have played out again and again and again. So they have all these templates, in a way, for what they can do and what is possible, but they haven't like made a firm choice about what they want the future to be and what they want to choose for themselves. And, yeah, I just think it's an amazing visual metaphor for that chaotic state of mind and that confusion over what do we want to be, like, what is possible for us, and... Like, what has happened before and what is the best way forward, you know? Like, I I don't think it would be presented in a way that would seem overtly reflective like that, you know? No, but I think it suggests that to the audience in a way that they might not have previously considered. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's about suggesting without being explicit, you know? You wouldn't want clumsy exposition to that effect in the film. But there's, like, a beautiful poetry and just showing that as a visual thing. And yeah, I think the meaning that would need to be imparted would come across just through this type of visual, basically. What what do you think? Sorry, I've been rambling. No, I agree. Um, like I said, I'm still a little sceptical just because I'll believe it when I see it. But I like the mm. idea in terms of connecting Rey and Kylo to the rest of the saga and kind yeah. of emphasising, like you say, that everything has been building up to this. Um connecting them to the characters that they haven't necessarily met in person like Anakin and Padme but obviously fans have drawn lots of parallels to their actions and even some of the dialogue between these characters and their relationships Um, but it brings that to the forefront of the general audience's mind in a way that I'm not sure has been done up till this point like it's there if you want to explore it yourself but people you know the average person isn't looking into this as much as we are (laughs) Um, of course yeah. it brings that front and center like you say without like spelling it out but it's a visual way of doing that yeah so it's a really cool idea um and yet in terms of how this would be executed obviously jason's report by his own admission he seems very like confused and uncertain about how exactly it will look which is understandable yeah because it's one thing hearing about something being filmed but in terms of how it's edited together yeah, you just can't know. And I imagine something like this would be so effects heavy if they do it that, yeah, you'd only really understand what was going on with it when you saw the final product. But a huge question for me would be, is this purely just landscape slash environments? So, I don't know, say they're on Mustafa, say they're on Kamino, say they're on Naboo, you know? Like, are they on those planets with some level of insight into what happened there in the past you know like would they see Anakin and Padme on Naboo you know like even in the distance the far distance like or would it literally just be that environment it's like I kind of feel like it's a wasted opportunity if they flash to these places but they don't really 
like draw your attention to the specific story beats that might have occurred there and the significance of that you know like it's a fine line though you know she don't want it to become corny or become a type of clip show but i think two or three really powerful choice moments that were chosen to be replayed and reenacted with rain kylo somehow aware of those moments occurring i think that would be awesome like if done tastefully oh my god now you've got me thinking about like kylo coming face to face with past anakin and anakin seeing him too oh my god Oh. Kill me. and i'll tell you what that reminds me of that reminds me of ray's vision yeah and that whole hallway sequence because we know that there were lots of iterations of that and in one iteration ray saw a little boy and wasn't it suggested that he actually made eye contact with her and seemed aware of her as well and so. then in the final version obviously we see kylo and he is aware of ray like in the vision like even though they're not actually physically present in relation to each other mm. so i think it would be as much tie back to that force vision thing as to the force bond stuff i would love to eventually get this the side of the story from kylo's perspective that could even be something that Saul explores in the knights of ren miniseries depending on the timeline there that you see kylo seeing ray in that vision too oh man that'd be so awesome <laughs> i'd love that but yeah i just love this idea of them connecting through time and and him connecting with his grandfather as well in a way that's very different from how he's talking to that mask because I don't believe that can genuinely be Vader because Vader, as we know, and even as Kylo knows, uh, was redeemed. So Yeah. Like, if you could choose one moment from either the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy for Rey and Kylo to experience slash see together, what would it be? Oh, God. That's really hard because... I'm kind of torn between them seeing uh, Luke with Vader at the end of Jedi, that mm -hmm. redemption moment, yeah. or kind of going full on with the Anidala stuff and um, yeah, Anakin and Padme together on Mustafar or something. Yeah, that's exactly where my mind was going, like seeing that moment where like they have that encounter and the whole, you're breaking my heart. Well, yeah, just to, to kind of emphasise to Kylo, okay, you really want to be your grandfather, you want to make these exact same mistakes, or yeah. do you want to do things differently and break that cycle of suffering and abuse? Yeah, exactly. I think that would just be so, so powerful. And yeah, oh my god, they brought Natalie Portman back! No. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm sorry, this is getting out of control. I just really, <laughs> really want Aiden to be involved in some capacity, even if it's just his voice. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I think there's a way that they could connect that because Aiden still looks young. Yeah. Um, I know Revenge of the Sith was filmed a while ago, but they could easily kind of splice in new material that looks like he's in that era, but it's filmed now. Yeah. I think they would do it in a very subtle way. I could see them doing things like shadows and you get glimpses of faces, but it's all very like impressionistic and artistic. Do you know what I mean there? Yeah. Like, so I think they'd avoid showing everything in the clear light of day. Said wants to keep a certain dreamy quality to everything. Mm -hmm. This is just our wish list now at this point. But... It is, but it's fun. I'm glad we're doing this. <laughs> Trying to expect nothing. <laughs> we'll be pleasantly Stop building surprised. my expectation! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we hope you enjoyed that 
brief indulgence where we like expressed all our hopes and dreams for force flash fights and the rise of skywalker and even if it doesn't happen it's good fanfic fodder in the meantime right <laughs> so yeah exactly i know i had fun i hope you had fun too <laughs> i did yeah good i'm glad but yeah no so let's wrap things up there so i'm rachel you can find me at stars nonsense on tumblr and at journal of the star wars on wordpress where can people find you kirsty i'm bastila bay on tumblr and scavengers horde on twitter thank you so much for listening and until next time bye bye